I'm not against government, but I would much rather have that government power be at the state and the local level, where you're closer to your political leader or the elected representative or whatever. Yeah. At the federal, they can all duck and hide and run. The Senate okay. won't vote on anything right now. They have six-year terms. They're totally isolated. They have to win statewide, so you can do that with money. Right? You don't have to talk to your people if you're a senator. You can just take 20 million bucks, which is about what the race costs, air out TV commercials, you know, with you next to a flag and some nice music. And if you got enough money, you can win. I don't think that's what anybody has in mind. Welcome to Reaching Out. I'm your host, Zach Carter. Please join me as I speak with a diverse group of people to find out their thoughts on religion, politics, and culture. All right. Well, thanks for joining us today, everyone, on Reaching Out with Zach Carter. Today, I'm excited to be interviewing Congressman Dave Bratt. How are you feeling today? Great. Good. Yeah. Getting over the junk. It's going around the neighborhoods and the schools. I'm getting over it. So I'm worse. in a good yeah. mood. Yeah, I bet you you're, you're having to say, hand sanitize your hands. That's all right. Shake, shake a few hundred yeah. hands a day. <laughs> That's great. Well, before we start, uh, for those that may not know very much about you, could you tell us a little bit about yourself? Like, what did you study in school? How did you get into politics? That kind of thing? Yeah, I'll try and give you the, the quick, uh, born, in a, born in Detroit. Mm -hmm. uh, Dad was a doctor. Mom was a nurse. Mm -hmm. uh, moved to the middle of the mitten in Michigan. Uh, grew up in Elma, Michigan. Mm -hmm. uh, went to high school in Minnesota. Dad moved there to run a HMO, health you know, maintenance organization. Uh, then I went back to Michigan for college, Hope College, uh, studied business, uh, but started minoring in religion, had a few great profs that ended up being great mentors to me. One guy was in world religions, Boyd Wilson, a philosopher, Art Jensen, a preacher at the church, had a huge influence on me. Uh, and so I went into business at Arthur Anderson, worked for a year or two in Detroit and Chicago, and then got the call and went to Princeton Seminary. Yeah. And so you should have seen the jaws drop at the business. It was fun. Yeah. And they, a lot of them were very interested and fascinated. So that was yeah. cool. So I went to Princeton Seminary. I was going to be a professor of systematic theology on the okay. Protestant side. Yeah. While I was there, I went to uh, Wesley Seminary down in D.C. and worked with a guy named Phil Wagaman who wrote a book on economics and ethics together in one book. And now I use that as a joke in my stump speeches, yeah. right? Because everyone, you, you got to be kidding. Yeah. And so that was it. That that was my passion. And so then the guys there, I knew a guy that worked at the State Department, USAID. They said, well, you ought to go do a PhD in economics when you're done mm -hmm. with seminary. So I did that at American University, which is right next door to Wesley. Okay. Still lived at Wesley Seminary in the dorms, and then uh, uh, worked at the Army a couple years while I was doing my PhD, and then the World Bank and the poverty section and education for a couple years. Mm -hmm. Met my wife, uh, moved down to uh, Ashland, got a job at Randolph-Macon yeah. in economics and business, and so mm -hmm. taught there for 20 years. It got into politics. We can go into that if you want. And, well, uh, I know you did, you did a big upset in your primary yep. with, with Canner. How did, how did that kind of happen? Yeah, well, so that uh, I volunteered for a uh, prominent state senator, Walter Stosh, uh, accounting and ethics, right, very huge great reputation in the region and uh, so he you know when he was getting you know toward the end of his career he said you maybe you think about running for my slot or some other slot so I thought about that and I I got a no from the machine you can't do that okay yeah and then so I said okay I don't know how that works I don't really like it but then okay. I thought about running for another slot another couple years later mm. and the same machine came no you can't do that yeah. and I'm like going I didn't learn about this in eighth grade <laughs> civics class yeah and so I said who's the head of this machine thing yeah and, and so some top dogs, so I ran against the top dog and 
they outspent me five million to I had a hundred fifty thousand I think. Okay. So over forty to one, and yeah. somehow did a David and Goliath thing. That's amazing. Yeah. So That's it was. Amazing. It was pretty amazing. Well, so so you, you get into politics, but I know I was I was re- reading about you a little bit, and I was and you and you touched on it a little bit about ethics and capitalism. Yeah. And I know I read that while you were at, teaching at Randolph Macon. You did a study on capitalism and morality yeah. for BB&T. Yep, is that right? right? Yep, yep. So, could you could you tell the audience a little bit about what you learned, some of the conclusions you came to in that study? Because yeah. most people think, you know, economics is greedy. Right. And, oh yeah. 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 So, might be. Yeah. Right. So so it might be. That's <laughs> the. That's why if you study systematic theology, right? Mm. So the guy who founded economics was Adam Smith. Yeah. And he was a Scottish moral philosopher. Right? And so the smart people, right? So then he goes into economics and founds free market economics. And then people always say, well, how can you do this and be religious? And I said, well, can you show me any people or country or whatever who's not greedy? Mm. Right? In the mm. Soviet Union or the Chinese, are they not greedy? Right? Yeah. Are communists not greedy? Mm. <laughs> and yeah. so if you, I think human nature is what it is across the board. Mm. And it is tricky because if you put your arms up, right, like supply and demand curves, yeah. demanders are people. Mm-hmm. that buy stuff and suppliers are businesses that supply stuff and that's the whole market mm-hmm. so the market's just made up of people yeah. so if you say that a free market system is corrupt and evil well then you believe human nature is evil yeah and you may believe that credibly right and in the biblical record starting in you know like genesis 2 yeah. with the apple and the snake would agree human yeah. nature yeah. <laughs> would agree yeah. would agree with that and so would every major philosopher basically western civ right even the secular guys yeah. aristotle plato kant hume yeah all of them there's a couple exceptions that are positive rousseau and karl marx believed mm. in a, hu- a positive human nature mm. and when you build a political economic system on that assumption you run into some huge errors yeah whereas my guys here james madison wrote the Constitution. He also went to Princeton Seminary, roughly yeah. speaking. He went to college in New Jersey and studied Hebrew when he was done. Hebrew, right? That's interesting. So okay. it's, it's pretty, right? And so uh, one of the greatest political documents that's worked, and why did it work? Not just because he's smart and he got lucky. He yeah. separated power, right? If yeah. people are greedy, which mm. they are, right? Human nature can be greedy. Mm. Uh, you need to separate it, you know, mm. federal level, state level, local level. Yeah, That's yeah. vertically and then horizontally at the federal, executive, yeah. judicial, legislative. Yeah, and, and going off on that, uh, recently I started reading Atlas Shrugged. Right. I haven't finished it. It's, it's a thick right. one. I don't know if you've read it. Oh, yeah. So are you – and I, my, my understanding is Ayn Rand talks about how – in this in this book, that capitalism and government needs to be separated, just like church and state should be separated. You need to step, separate economics and and yeah. state. So, what do you what do you think on that? Well, Rand was fairly utopian in her aspirations for what she was. So she's mm-hmm. I, I I think she's great on the economic freedom part. Yeah. She was an mm-hmm. atheist, mm-hmm. so obviously I differ with her there. She tried to ground an entire metaphysical system right? and started with human nature, right? with no God, with no she basically tried to start from a biological mm. uh, definition of what it means to be human. Yeah. And so I wrote a little paper on that, and I, I think she failed on that. Mm. But on the economic freedom, yeah, she would like it. Uh, she wanted a minimal, minimal federal government. Mm. I mean, very minimal. And so I, I want less federal government, and that's mm. the debate, you know, how much and where. Yeah. Y- you want some regulation, uh, like currently right now, we're, we're starting to try and take back some of the regulation. Yeah. It's gotten so burdensome compared to you can't compete with China or India or the rest of the world. Yeah. 
And so we're stripping back some of the regulation. I think people are still plenty say the water's still safe. It's getting cleaner and the air's getting cleaner by the day. Uh, but the economy's now taking off because we've been doing that, right, yeah. just in a year. And so there's always a fine balance there between, uh, but, but I, I think I agree with her most in uh, I'm not against government. But I would much rather have that government power be at the state and the local level, yeah. where you're closer to your, uh, mm. you know, political leader or the elected representative or whatever. Mm. Yeah. At the federal, they can all duck and hide and run. The Senate <laughs> okay. won't vote on anything right now. Yeah, they have six-year terms. They're mm. totally isolated. Mm. They don't have to come back. Mm. They have to win statewide, so you can do that with money, right? Yeah. You don't have to talk to your people if you're a senator. You can just take 20 million bucks, which is about what the race costs, mm. air out TV commercials, you know, with you next to a flag and some nice music. Yeah. And if you got enough money, you can win. Yeah. And that I don't think that's what anybody has in mind. Yeah. And and I know that you guys, so you guys recently did a big tax tax yeah. cut that yep. was all in the news and yep. everything recently. I was in a discussion with someone recently that was saying trickle-down economics yep. doesn't work. Right. You know, what happens is you get these big corporations yep. that are just holding on to all this money, right. and now you guys have just given them more money to hold on to that right. all the little people can't get a hold of. What, right. are, what are your kind of thoughts on that? I totally disagree. Couldn't, okay. couldn't disagree more. Okay. It's a common misperception, mm -hmm. right? So all of human history, just to put this in context, uh, people made $500 a year for all of human history until 1750. So what happened in 1750? Uh, we went toward freedom, right, on the, the founding fathers, the documents, the Declaration, the Constitution, Adam Smith, 1776 also was his book on free markets. And so the trickle-down thing, there is no trickle-down economics, yes, uh, as a matter of fact, right? Yeah. And there's no supply-side economics. There's no textbook, right? So that's kind of a political talking point if you want to poke at free markets. So you got to talk about free markets, right? So I t I've never seen a textbook called supply side. <laughs> there uh -huh. is no supply side. I did a PhD, yeah, yeah. and I've never seen a book called you know supply side economics. The supply side is just the business side, and so what the people are missing is all the human history. People made five hundred bucks. We're up making fifty thousand dollars a year per person, and everybody wants us to end poverty, right? On the left, I agree. I'm a liberal. I'm a classical liberal. Okay. It's Adam yeah. Smith and James Madison. We're all classical liberals. We all want to help the poor. We're all out of the enlightenment. We believe in human reason, follow the data, set up a society that's scientific. Great. The societies that didn't do that, uh, Russia, China, uh, India, uh, their people were still languishing. When I taught econ just 20 years ago, they were only making, the Chinese and Indians were making $1,000 a year okay. per capita. Mm -hmm. Now they've opened up in the last 20 years and they're making 10,000 a year. Okay. So in 20 years, and so what is that? And so the other side will call that trickle down. Well, okay, you gave capital, right? You allowed freedom, so businesses started. And those businesses and capital investment is what causes economic growth. It didn't come by the government, right? China got rid of the government. Yeah. And India got rid of the traditional you know, system, which included the caste system, all that, allowed human freedom and human flourishing. And so the trickle down is kind of a pop at and it goes back to your original question. There is something there to it, right? Uh, individuals are greedy, and there's always bad apples. And so you got some terrible greed. On Wall Street, do you have some greed? Yeah. When I ran, who did I run against? That, right? Adam Smith said whenever uh, three or four big uh, business titans get together, 
uh, be on the lookout because you got collusion coming. Yeah. They're going to collude together to try and form a monopoly. Mm. And so what do you have going on in this country right now? You got big airlines, big automobile, big banking, big insurance with total control of the market. So that's not trickled down. That's the old school that was all those thousands of years in history where people got together and got political power. Yep. Right? They're not doing that on their business sense. Mm. Right? They're getting government control, economic control, and they're taking over the economy. Mm. So if that's what they mean by trickle down, I'm totally opposed to it. I agree with them. Okay. Right? If, it's a, if it's ruled by the elites, mm. Adam Smith and me and Teddy Roosevelt and anybody, Milton Friedman, every economist, we, we call the ideal state perfect competition. Yeah. where there's a huge number of firms competing against each other. Yeah. That's the best economic outcome. So is it the government's job to step in, to break and up break Michael? it up. Yeah. yeah, and that is a role for the federal government, right? Mm. Trust busting, break up the biggies mm. so that the small guy has a crack at it. Yeah. Right? I mean, if you own the whole market, you can lower the price for a short term so no one can enter, or yeah. you can put out a business, right? Mm. The small guy. And then raise it once. And then raise it later, it. right? Yeah. And that's it. So it, it just depends what they mean by trickle down. But it, there is a science there, right, to, yeah. to economics. There's literature on everything you want to see. And I tell people, go read on it, right? People, it's too political right now. Everyone's right and left and all this stuff. Yeah. So who should they read? Oh, I like Milton Friedman is the best of the best. Yeah, I've been hearing that a lot. Yeah. He's got YouTubes going. He smiles. He's a total genius. Chicago School of okay. Economics. Sure. But, you know, if you like the more liberal government got Keynes, I mean, and there's still a huge amount of overlap, overlap. in the so thinking. That's what you're looking for. Yeah, so I mean, if, if you, there's overlap, yeah. you know that's. If yeah. you read the Friedman book or the Keynes book, mm. most of the chapters have a lot in common. And mm. there, there's a philosophical difference yeah. in how they start the issue and end the issue. But okay. you'll see a lot of overlap, especially with the evidence. Sure. So. It sounds like you're 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 you want free markets, you want open markets. Yep. People say that there are some problems with capitalism, and you've kind of sure. touched on it a little bit. And a lot of times, it's leaving people in 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 poverty, and they can't pull themselves out. Yep. So, what is the role of the government to help people pull themselves out, or should the government even have a role of pulling people out of poverty? Yeah, well, I believe in a a safety net that's kind of you know short term, a few years to help people get back in the labor market. And there's all sorts of distinction, right? Obviously, if you get, you got a permanent lifetime disability, mm. we want a safety net. There, there's yeah. no one that's opposed to that. Medicare, Social Security, all those kind of major systems are good, but they were all developed when the average death age was 65. So now they're all bankrupt, right? They're a hundred trillion dollars unfunded. The kids won't have them. Yeah and they go insolvent in 2034. Uh, and so you said, what should you do to help the poor? And the answer to that is the free market system has done more to help the poor than any other system by far. And I just gave the example, right? Yeah. All of human history was every variety of government under the sun, right? Pharaohs and tyrants and dictators and despots and yeah. traditional systems and do what your dad did and do, right? Whatever, you, all those alternative systems, you made $500 a year. Right for all of human history, yeah, and so it, it seems like the people that want to critique capital, what should you do? Well, we've already done it, and the evidence is on our side, right? The free market side. I don't think the burden is against us. The burden is the people who oppose it. Yeah, what is your system that will do better? Mm. And they can never name it because mm. it doesn't exist, right? So that, and then you can always differ on the size. How big should the welfare state be? Yeah, but right now. Uh, Greenspan and Bernanke, after the financial crisis of 08, when that started, they said, what's the worst part of the financial crisis, right, that started in the housing sector, 
it was all Fannie and Freddie were giving out liar loans and every loan under the sun without doing any risk assessment. Yeah. So it's just disaster. Mm -hmm. And they said, what's going to be the, well, the market had already lost, you know, $6 trillion in value. And they said the worst thing about it wasn't that. The worst thing is the loss of human skills from people are going to be devastated. Mm -hmm. This is going to rip up families. People are going to leave the labor force. Once you leave the labor force, it's very hard to get back in. And that's what happened, right? So we got 20, 25 million people. Paul Ryan's talking about doing welfare reform now for able-bodied men, especially the left, getting them back in yeah. the labor force. Mm -hmm. uh, and it's very hard. But Maine has did some stuff a few years back in two other states. Now there's huge evidence. They said, hey, we're just going to make you, didn't take away anything. No reduction in welfare payments, nothing. But hey, you got to show you're looking for a job. Okay. And the anecdotal evidence was, right, well, if I got to do that, I might as well get a job. And we're like, uh, yes, that would be. <laughs> yeah, that would be ideal. And the welfare rolls in Maine went down 80%. Just by saying. Just by that. Huh. And so it, that, that's why people want to know, right? There's, there's limited money right now. There are people with true disabilities that need the money. And we're broke. And so if people really want justice, you got to do justice right, across the board. You can't get a little lazy and sure go, okay, some people want to take a free ride. No, right? If you want justice, it's got to be justice. Interesting. And I taught economic justice for 20 years, too. Yeah. And so that, we can get into any of the philosophical right. well, stuff, Well, let's, um, let's, let's, let's dive a little bit more into the welfare program. So uh, I've been told that welfare programs, although they're the largest um, amount that is going to our nat national deficit, um, that those funds are being funneled back into the economy so that... Um, whereas funds that are going to, let's say, the military, when you have a $2 million airstrike, blows up some bombs, those bombs are in pieces in the desert right. somewhere, and it's gone. Whereas yep. like welfare goes back into the economy, so it doesn't actually hurt the economy. What, what are your thoughts on that? Uh, that that's a, a tricky one. I mean, if you're just talking about the military bombs that blow up, that's bad. Right? So that doesn't go back in the economy. Yeah. And a lot of people think wars are good for the economy. They look at World War II. Wow, look at that spike. Or whatever. They're not. right? So wars are terrible for the economy. They waste terrible resources. Welfare, uh, it just depends how you want to view it. right? If, if you view it as, hey, for the short run, we're propping up this person who's in a time of need as so that in the future, they're going to uphold their end of the social contract, re-engage with the economy and be productive right? and work. Uh, then that's a that's a heck of a good investment, right? And I don't know anyone who's opposed to that. Okay. And so the key thing is the duration. It can't go on forever. It can't turn into a poverty trap. Yeah. Right. And it can't be an incentive for you know. I mean, right. Just the common stories are all you know. When you're young, if you have kids right off the bat too young, you're almost automatic. Right. It causes some huge so poverty traps. How traps. do you define too too young? I don't know. I mean, that's up for people. Whatever doesn't work out. Right, okay. wherever you don't achieve success, okay, and that's too young. Yeah, and so uh, there's you know there's simplified studies, but there's like a 95 percent chance of not going into poverty if you achieve like three things, and I don't know if I remember what they are, but basically you graduate from high school, yeah. uh, no job. kids before marriage, and no drugs. Yeah, and get a job. Get get a job and keep a job. Yeah. So and those three or four and those are basics, right? Yeah. No drugs, graduate from high school, get a job, no kids till you're married, mm. boom. You got, you got get a 5% chance of being in poverty. Yeah. And so there's a social contract we've always had that's kind of fallen apart, yeah. right? The, the family now, I think the, you know, the breakup rate are intact about 50%. And we're seeing the results of that culturally, 
<clears throat> across the country, and it, it's rough, right? All of us want to see these kids with their parents and having successful lives. Part of that is the poverty, right? That people, I'm from Detroit, yeah. right? I've seen plenty of, I'm I've sure been around every it, yeah. city there is. And so uh, we got to end that. And for me, the best way to end that is to educate kids while they're in high school about how important business is. Mm. And I taught for 20 years. I taught econ, right, to college freshmen. Yeah. You want to know how many kids knew what a business was? None. Okay. They, we just invested $14,000 a year mm-hmm. for 13 years in every kid, and they don't know what a business is. Mm. It's fairly shocking, right? Yeah. Yeah. The Indians do. The Chinese do. Yeah. They know engineering, math, business, entrepreneurship. Our kids yeah. didn't know a price, a cost, a profit, mm. wow. nothing. Mm. And so now that's starting to change. We're, we're putting emphasis back on career and technical education for the kids to get them going. Yeah. But in my view, every single course in the curriculum, right? I don't care if you're in an English class, a Latin class, a Spanish class, a history, everything ought to be business-related. Yeah. Right? How is this related? What What's your passion, Johnny or Mary? Mm. What do you like? You like art? Oh, good. Well, to be successful in art, you're going to have to do some accounting and Sales. run a business and yeah. sell it, and, yeah. right? And so, no matter what your passion is, and I always told the kids, you know, major in your passion and then minor in accounting, or okay. or some other quantitative, right? Excel yeah. spreadsheets or information systems or something where you got a guaranteed easy slot. Yeah, that's good. And so you you try to get the students. To, hey, look, follow your path. You got to do what you like, right? You can't wake up every day and not like your job. Yeah. But at the same time, you got to be ready for the labor market out there. Mm. And you got to serve their interests somewhat, too. Yeah. As far as going off on a little tangent, um, have, you, have you enjoyed being in Congress more than teaching, or did you enjoy <laughs> teaching more than Congress? <laughs> enjoyed. That gets into a deep de- definitional is that issue. Not a, is, that, is that not a brief Enjoyed in terms of modern happiness, like, Eating yeah. sugar, yeah. <laughs> I enjoyed teaching more, right? Okay. In terms of enjoyed Aristotelian happiness, yeah. Uh, following the virtues in order to live a good life, yeah. I enjoy this job more. Okay. Because I'm I get up every day in the middle of history, mm-hmm. right? Trying to follow the primary virtues, yeah. Trying to live a good life, yeah, yeah, yeah. and interject that in the politics, and oh boy, you get hit, you get hit up the head. Sure. At about 8.05 a.m. Sure, sure. Um, so let's do one more question on economics, and then let's slide yeah. into, into immigration real quick. So um, I've, I've in, in the free market, I'd be interested on your take on the healthcare system, because in my, in my head, I can't get around that businesses are in it to make a profit. Yep. Apple designs their phones to die in a few years so that right. you'll continue right. to buy Apple phones. Buy Apple. And so my concern with the healthcare system being in a free market is that yep. what will they design to cost people lots of right. money without maybe even healing the sickness? Right. Yeah, so is there is there ways that the, the government is supposed to get into that, regulate it, or no? Well, no, and again, so you gotta back up, mm-hmm. and so, it, the simplest kind of thing is to say you got two pizza joints. Okay. And uh, one is a greedy capitalist and the other is not. So one puts poison sausage on their pizza in order <laughs> okay. to have you know, lower costs because it's yeah. easier to make poison sausage, right? That you don't, okay. There's no health. And the other guy's a good guy. Mm. He does healthy pepperoni, mm. right? So you live. Mm. Well, rational people will figure out in about five minutes that if you go to this pizza joint, you die. Okay. So the free market is perfectly capable of sorting that out. Yeah. The problem right now is we have there is no free market at all. Mm-hmm. It's total government control. 
right? So Anthem and all these insurances, Obamacare right now is basically the regulations in place. So there is no free market whatsoever. You have to provide a, a, a gold plan, a platinum plan, or silver plan with these benefits, period. There's no product variety. There's no human freedom. There's no choice. You, you have to offer that product. And so that product costs about 2000 a month for family four right now. And the deductible is five or 6000 And the average family has $400 in savings. So that doesn't work. And then you say, well, what would the free market do? Well, it would provide a cheaper product. And it would cover less. And then, then boy, the doors blow open. Well, it would cover less. Uh, but the current product is bank. The average family income in Virginia is seventy grand. Okay. Right. So if you get two thousand a month for family four, the insurance is twenty four grand. So you just made seventy. You pay your taxes, right? Federal, state, and local. You're down to forty, maybe fifty. Let's just say fifty to make it real easy. So no one can disagree. Okay. You're at seventy. You pay all your taxes. You're down to fifty. Then your insurance is twenty four. Now you're down to twenty four. You haven't bought your house, food, cars, nothing. Yeah. yeah. Right. So. I, I, I hope people can see, if you just yeah. do the basic math, yeah. and people say, what, they, what people really think is, by the free market, and then they say, well, the free market's not working, what they mean is, I'm not getting everything I want for the cheapest price possible. Mm. That, that's not going to happen, right? So back when I got out of college, you could go buy a catastrophic health insurance policy for 500 bucks. A year, yeah. <laughs> right? Yeah. Now, it would just cover the, the major, right? If you yeah. fell off a swing set and, or got really sick, yeah. right, ER or something, you're covered. And when you, with you're young, that's what most everybody did. Mm. Now you can't do that. Now you have to go buy that gold-plated insurance product. Yeah. And so it, it's impossible to answer because there is nothing near a free market outcome. Yeah. Now the government constrains big insurance. So you're right. They went into the White House. They arranged a deal where they're going to make. They're making two billion a month, two million, two billion a year in profit. The major firms. The major firms. The major firms, mm. Aetna and uh, Anthem, etc. Yeah. On on the uh, employer provided, and then they're breaking even on the Obamacare individual yeah. side, which is about fifteen million. Okay. Wow. And so now they want us to bail out the part where they're breaking even while they're making two billion in profits. Right? And you scratch it and go, we're not going to do that, right? The yeah. government's not that stupid. Yeah. Uh, yeah, they are. We're about ready to do it. Interesting. Yeah. Interesting. And so that, we're, it's in such a mess. I mean, that's why at, at some point, so, okay, I, we're never going to have a totally free market system in healthcare. Yeah. But what, what can you do? You can take all the same amount of money, bring it down to the state's block granite, mm. right? Same amount of money you got the federal, bring it down to the state, and now you got 50 different experiments. To see yeah. who gets it right. Okay. And let's see, right? Yeah. Let's see who comes up with better ideas. Mm. And that's moving toward the free market logic. Because yeah. you go from a monopoly to having at least 50 firms competing, sure. right? 50 states yeah. duking it out. And then you learn, right? When you see, oh, hey, that hospital system learned to do this, right? That pharmaceutical company learned how to do generic drugs cheaper like this. And then you, the, if you're a smart politician, you're going to say, hey, I know what my people want. Yeah. They want lower price. Yeah. And the same good quality right uh, yeah. healthcare. Outcome, yeah. right? Yeah, sure. Yeah. Right. 
Well, 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 cool. well um, when, I, when I posted on Facebook to the people that listen to the show that yeah. I was going to be talking with you, yep. I said I was going to be talking about econ- economics and yep. immigration, and the, the thing I got from a couple people that they really wanted to know from you, so yeah. they say they're kind of tired of the talking point, immigrants right. are taking our jobs. Right. They say that it's a myth and a faulty talking point, so they, they would love if you could provide facts on whether this is an actual credi- credible argument or whether you would denounce the argument altogether? Well, I certainly don't think it's as simple as one sentence, but mm-hmm. we just got done talking about the labor market. Yeah. So these people are taking our jobs. Mm-hmm. True or false? Well, let's just lay out some facts. There's, if you go to talk to businesses in the region or anywhere, they'll, they'll say, we can't find any skilled labor. Mm-hmm. Right? Uh, drug tests, people that show up every morning for a few months in a row, we can't find it. So that favors the people you're just talking to. Yeah. They're saying, we need more uh, labor. Yeah, low-cost labor. Right? We want more low-cost labor. Uh, on the other hand, I just pointed out to you that we have 20 to 25 million able-bodied people that have left the workforce. Yeah. Right? So the economists will tell you right now we technically have what's called tight labor markets. We have a low unemployment rate. Right? So uh, usually that means hey, uh, wage rates are going to go up, and they are a little bit. You saw a little bit of wage inflation last week, and the market went way down because it got scared of that. Yeah. That's all true. Uh, people can't find workers, but that gets to the crux. We got the lowest uh, labor force participation rate in 40 years, and it's been just low, low, low. No one, People are leaving the workforce, and they're not coming back into the workforce. So usually you have labor markets that are churning, you don't have that anymore. People are leaving uh, the labor force, 20 to 25 million able body, and then you're eligible for up to $40,000 in welfare, just federal welfare payments. Yeah. Up to 40. All right, now, are everybody doing 40? No, nowhere near, right? And if you got two kids in school, that's 24 grand. And if you work under the table, right, not uh, reporting yourself or whatever, you can make 20 grand. That's non taxable. And you get free emergency room care, et cetera. Yeah. Right? So if you add those numbers up, you're, you're over average family income in Virginia mm. for welfare and, and being out of the labor force. And that may be one reason why people are out of the labor force. Because the incentives are there. Right. Incentivized to do it. Yeah. <clears throat> and that's the issue we got to tackle, right? Mm. And so the, the main issue uh, with immigration has to do with legal immigration. You cannot have an open border if you have a generous welfare system. Right, so Milton Friedman said that 50 years ago, right? The smartest guy on the topic. And it, most libertarians will acknowledge that too. So if, you, if, you have, if you're making 50 grand a year, you know, if we had an open border, you know how many people would pour into this country, right? Lot, I mean, yeah. they're pouring into Europe right now, right? Yeah. So, and the folks who want to make, you know, are, you know take the other side for me, I, I'd, I'd challenge them, go look at London right now, look at Paris, look at the Netherlands, Amsterdam, go look at Sweden, go look at Norway. They're in a nightmare situation right now due to immigration and having open borders. Totally uh, generous on behalf of the government's outlook of the people trying to help, and they're, be, it's, it, they're, they're having to reverse course, right? Italy, Greece, everybody. Yeah. They're having to reverse, and they're having big right-wing, and I mean hard-right reactions, yeah. right? Not like in this country, right? Just follow the law. They're having right-wing, right-wing reactions to it yeah. because people get upset. So the major issue in this country is that wages have been flat for 30 years. The average 
wage for the average worker in this country has been flat for about 30 years. And the people are catching on to that. So why is that? Because big firms uh, have, the, the ones we just got talking about, the bigs, right? The big firms and the capitalists, uh, people on the left might call them or whatever, that's fine. Uh, they've learned the deal. If they get cheap labor, their profits go up. Uh, but they don't have to pay the full cost. They don't pay for the schooling. They don't pay for the emergency room. They don't pay for the roads. They don't pay for law enforcement. They don't pay for welfare. Who pays for that? The taxpayer, mm. right? So you bring in huge, right? Last year, legal and illegal, we allowed in two million. Wow. Okay. So people that say we're frugal, you know, not a generous nation, the, the facts are wrong. They wanted facts, well, there's your fact, right? 1.8 yeah. million. And so that's the data. Uh, big corporations want cheap labor. They got it. And the taxpayers on the hook, they figured out the game. And it's not my side. Bernie voters figured that out, too. And the Democrats started all this stuff, mm. right, with immigration. Barbara Jordan Commission, back about 30 years ago, uh, on behalf of the African-American community, said, we got to stop this cheap labor coming. It's killing the African-American community. It's killing wages. Uh, Bill Clinton gave a State of Union speech on it. Nancy Pelosi, uh, Dick Durbin, uh, Chuck Schumer, all in favor of ending chain migration, uh, doing legal legal immigration, uh, E-Verify, so you have legal hiring. Yeah. Only after Trump won, right, the left kind of just very angry at that election. Mm. Right? I used to have town hall. I'd go to all my counties every month. I'd have town halls everywhere. Yeah. Just normal, polite, back and forth, da-da-da, Democrats, Republicans, no big deal. But when President Trump won, boom, right, it ignited this thing on the left. Yeah. Now people are... I got F-bombs. I've delivered at the pastor in a Chesterfield church. There's a pastor. It's on tape. He was praying. No, he was praying, and the people were swearing at the preacher Oh. while wow. he's praying. Mm. And it's wow. on tape. People go Google my uh, Chesterfield town hall yeah. or my other town hall before that, and they'll see placards with the F-bomb and T-shirts, F this. And, I mean, it's yeah. so I, I don't get that, right? I've never run a negative campaign. I've never said a nasty word about anybody ever, and so I'll, I'll keep doing that, right? Yeah. So that, that's what I do, but boy, it, the barbs are coming, and, and it's, yeah. it's usually economic, mm. right? And so Trump ran big on that issue, yeah. and so right, maybe to close the circuit on that, right? So the left was scared uh, after President Trump won that there were going to be you know, millions and millions of people deported, mm. right? Tens of millions. Yeah. Right? 20 million people here, illegal, or 20 to 30. <clears throat> and none of that has happened. Yeah. Right? So, I mean, the facts kind of have to, not only haven't there been these mass deportations, Trump put on a table a more generous DACA yeah. uh, deal than the Democrats asked for. Yeah, something. They wanted be... 700,000, and he put together a 1.8 million dreamer yeah. deal. And it wasn't it, but when you include chain migration as well, wasn't it up to about four? Is what I've what I'd heard the numbers would be. Yeah. Oh, sure. Yeah. If you right, if you expand it by the the total number of people that can come in, oh, yeah. it's well over. I mean, it depends. The Dick Durbin thing was ten million. Mm. The Dick Durbin bill on the Senate side, the Democrats wanted a ten million amnesty. Trump wanted, when all said and done, probably four million amnesty. Yeah. And the Democrats said all we wanted was seven hundred thousand mm. DACA. Mm. He gave it to them plus Dreamers. 
Yeah. And they said no. And so it's because he wants a wall. The wall bill, just so people know, Pelosi was in favor of it, and the Jordan Commission was in favor of that also. They did it back in 86, wall funding. Yeah. But if Trump does it, then uh, it gets a little tougher. There you go. There you go. Well, um, let's uh, let's finish up uh, with... Um I do a little section called the bonus interview section. Yeah, yeah. And so it's it's, it's fun to kind of get your, your perspective on these things. And I'd, I'd like to have a little a little fun real quick before we before we wrap things Good. up. So uh, first question. Yep. Um, is Congress informed on Area Fifty One, or is that just the president? <laughs> no, I I haven't gotten a briefing on any of that stuff no? yet. Yeah. Okay, I'll, I'll, let you, uh, right. I'll let you slide on that one. Right. Uh, what's the best practical joke you've pulled or seen pulled? If oh, any. Up in Congress? <laughs> no, just period, in your life. Oh, in, in my life? life? <laughs> Is there practical jokes in Congress? Oh, yeah. <laughs> Let's go with that. What's, what's no, your favorite? I, uh, <laughs> I can't think of any right off the top of my head. Yeah. I mean, practical jokes... We got some of them I don't want to tell on my colleagues. They did some funny <laughs> stuff you, back in can college. You just re- remove remove names from Yeah, the we had people that were very highly intelligent that figured out how to program the electric uh, you know, the projector and the slide. So, they, so yeah. when the professor was in the middle of lecture and they could hit a button and the, the, the screen, the movie yeah, the screen, screen, would go yeah. up and down. <laughs> and, and while then, he's trying to right, while they're trying to. Very, just, that's, you know, that's bold. Just funny stuff. That's bold. I would, I would never. Yeah, I, I, never I was a that. little. Yeah, thought I would have done that one. What, what's the worst date experience you've ever had? Worst date? Worst date. Mm. I don't know. These are tough ones. You got to go back. Oh, I'm sorry. I, I could. I, we could do uh, the next one. Well, I mean, <laughs> I don't have any particular recollections of a. You're just always smooth with the ladies. You no, just I just. I mean, probably someone no showed for me sometime. Yeah, something probably depressing or something. Um, <laughs> if uh, what personality trait has gotten you in the most trouble? Well, being honest in Congress. Being honest in Congress. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Okay. Honesty. Okay. Yeah. Would you would you rather be considered extremely lazy but have hundreds of close friends or be considered extremely successful with only one friend? Neither. Neither. I don't like either option. You don't like either no, option? Neither no. Neither is morally good. Okay. I'll, all right, we'll go with that. <laughs> Usually I don't let it slide. Right. I'll let, I'll let I it had slide. a good answer. <laughs> uh, and last bonus interview question. We had one Facebook user that wanted to know your thoughts on the controversial topic of cornbread. Do you like it? And if so, how? <laughs> Do you like cornbread? <laughs> cornbread? Yes. I'm over 50. Yeah. And I think it's got carbs. So, <laughs> so I may love it, right? With sufficient yeah. butter. Yeah. I love it, probably, but it's not high on my. Not high I on put a list. hamburger before that right now, <laughs> yeah. and that's it, and then I'm done. Very nice. Very nice. Well, I, I want to thank you for, for joining us today, uh, for, for doing the interview. Appreciate sure. it a lot. And thanks, everyone, for, for listening to the interview. I hope you guys got something out of it, and we'll see you next time at Reaching Out with Zach Carter. I wanted to thank Congressman Dave Bratt for joining us today. If you wanted to follow him, you can go on his website at DaveBratt.com. He 
actually has an event on May 4th with Majority Whip Steve Scalise, and his website has tickets if you'd like to attend. You can also find him on Facebook at Dave Bratt for Congress, and you can find him on Twitter at Dave Bratt VA7. If you liked what you heard today, go pick up a copy of his book, American Underdog, Proof That Principles Matter. Well, this is the last episode of Season 2. I'm going to be taking a couple months to prepare for Season 3. I've got a lot planned, and I'm very excited for what I have in store for you guys. In the meantime, if you're trying to support Reaching Out, head over to our Facebook page and click the Like button and share the page with your friends. Also, go over to YouTube, iTunes, and SoundCloud to subscribe. You can rate us and leave comments so everyone can hear about the show. Well, thanks again for listening to Reaching Out with Zach Carter. I'm Zach Carter, and we'll see you in a couple months.